Thanks, Dawson. Well, good morning. Now, the reason why Dawson mentioned that is we are kind of splitting this morning's teaching time up into two parts. One is, is the conclusion of our series on evangelism. And we're also going to have a family meeting, which everybody's invited to stay because it's, 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 uh, it's something that you'd all get something out of. So please don't feel like you have to leave when we transition to that, that part of the service. Also, one, one more announcement is that tonight is the first uh, training gathering of our lower post team uh, uh, at Dawson and Leona's at 7 o'clock, 2911 McKay Street. No, just kidding. 2911 Venable Street. So um, for all of you that signed up, just a reminder to show up. We're going to begin to prepare and pray towards our mission to lower post this summer on the Yukon border with the Kaskadene First Nations people that we've enjoyed a wonderful 17-year relationship with. And we've got two other vineyards in British Columbia that are joining us. Their youth groups are joining us this year uh, from uh, Chilliwack and from Camel River. So we're very excited about teaming up with other churches. And a very significant reconciliation gathering is happening this year in the summer. Uh, something like eight First Nations nations are gathering together in Lower Post in August. And Steve really wants us to come and prepare the ground for that. So it's going to be a great Great summer, great uh, three months of preparation. So we're going to uh, conclude our series today, although we're kind of fooling you, because uh, I feel that we're going to continue on this theme of evangelism uh, in, the, in the months to come. We're going to look at it a little bit more from a discipleship theme. We're going to be moving into a theme of discipleship, but, but they're, they're, they're almost two sides of the same coin. And we've been arguing for nine weeks that uh, if you really get the good news, you're going to give it. That to understand the good news is to want to give it away, and that it's the most natural thing, which we have been sold a bill of goods that that's not the case, that you're not supposed to talk about this. But the fact of the matter is, if it, if it really is what it says it is, and if, if it has impacted us the way that we we, we uh, declare that it has, then it's unnatural not to talk about it. And uh, it's, it's natural to talk about the things that are most precious and closest to us. And that as disciples of Jesus, our growth is stunted if we buy into this propaganda that we're not supposed to talk about the gospel. Our growth personally is stunted. You lose out and so do your friends. You lose out and so does your family. Because there's something, you know, when you think about, um, who was it, Peter, when he obeyed God and went to the, the, the Gentiles. They were blessed by what happened, but how many know he was impacted? So we both, both Christians and non-Christians are blessed when Christians understand their role in, in evangelism and do it rightly. Do it in the spirit of Christ. Do it in the way that God has, been, has called us to do it. And so, you know, I remember when I arrived in Vancouver, I, 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 kind, of, I kind of made this covenant with, with my heart that, 
that I wasn't going to preach the gospel with my words. I was going to preach with my life. And, and I t- I've already shared with you some stories of, of, of how God just kind of backfired that so many times as I was working at UBC for five years. I had five wonderful years where my UBC mining department, where I was administrating, uh, became a church for me. And I prayed for people, saw God move, and saw people come to Christ, and saw university professors, tough mining engineering types, weep in my office. Uh, and and uh, uh, people were calling me healer, and, and, and I realized you can't shut up about something that, that's that precious. I love Jesus. He's the most important thing in my life. He, he is incredible. Uh, I, I, just, I, I love bragging about him. I love his teaching. I love what he represented. I love what he brought to the earth. Jesus Christ is the most incredible thing this planet has ever experienced, and I'm pretty pumped about it. And so you can't, you can't be quiet about that. If you really love God... Uh, you, you know, you, 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 you can't be quiet. And, and so uh, once we've decided, okay, I should talk. It's, it's right for me to talk. Then we talked about some protocols for this. That we still need good manners. And we need relational skills. And not only IQ, but EQ. Uh, the emotional intelligence quotient. And we come with humility. And we come asking questions. Not just announcing and proclaiming. But asking and inquiring. And, and, and learning about people's journeys. So that we can see signs of God walking in their life. That, that, that when we go to lower posts. Or we go to that friend, our neighbor. That we're not bringing God to them. But we're there to help them understand that God's already been at work in their life. And we look and we're learning and we're alert and we're, we're asking uh, intelligent questions. I got to tell you a quick story. Uh, I got an email from my neighbors this morning and all it said in the header was, the cat came back. And there was nothing in the email except a picture of Smudge. Now Smudge is a, is a girl cat next door and she is a really good friend of mine. She welcomes me home every day. We talk. I give her a little scruff on the neck. And then she attacks me like a play, play attack, you know. She grabs my leg or my hand or something in a play. And Monday morning, my neighbor said she was missing. Keep your eyes out. So they had posters up in the neighborhood. And I bumped into to my, uh, the, the, the dad, the, the father of the family. Uh, I often do on my morning walks. And he looked a little sad, and he had the two children, Abby and, and, and Eli, in, in, in the double buggy, you know, taking them to work. And, and we talked, and he'd given up hope. And I, you know, remember what I said about you, you, you just, you try little teasers. You just put out little, little teasers to see where people are at. And I just said, well, I just felt the Lord just tell me, go ahead and tell him. And I told him, I, I said, I'll be praying for, for Smudge to come, come home. You know, we'll put up a prayer for Smudge. And I did, you know, four days, five days in East Van with coyotes and raccoons. It's that, the chances are not that high, right? And I was so blessed this morning. Get that little, the cat came back. After six days. I mean, no, Jesus cares about your cat. He cares, he cares about your dog, right? Ed loves your dog. You know, it's... God cares about these things. And, and Jesus, wants, Jesus wants to get involved in our lives that way. Now, this sounds really gruff here. How many have ever wondered about this verse? Uh, 
Matthew 6, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now, Jesus is not calling people dogs and pigs. He's, uh, he's using hyperbole here uh, on manners, on relational protocols. He's taking an extreme example. He often used, you know when he said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out? Or if your hand offends you, cut it off? That's called hyperbole. In other words, he doesn't want you to literally cut your hand off or pull your eye out. But he's, he's making a point to take extreme measure. If, you're, if your eye offends you, then he's saying take drastic action. If you struggle with porn on the internet, you take drastic action. You don't pull your eye out. How I many know that still doesn't help you deal with lust? But if you struggle with porn on the internet, maybe you, you get some restrictions put and you get some accountability in place or you, you get some access denied, right? You take drastic action. That, that's his point. And so in this, what's his point? What's he trying to say here? Well, he's talking about relational protocols. If your eye, uh, it, it, uh, he uses the example of a valuable pearl. If you give it to a pig, a pig goes, you know, hey, food, you know, and then he chomps on it and breaks his tooth. Do, teeth have, do pigs have teeth? Yeah, they do. And, and it, uh, I'm not a great agricultural guy. Anyway, the, the, the pig chomps on the pearl, right? And you go, that's my precious pearl. And the pig's going, I thought this was food. And these are bad pigs. He says, they turn on you. <laughs> you know, that's a bad pig, right? Uh, they may turn and tear you to pieces. That's one bad pig. Well, his point is, is don't take what's precious to you and, and uh, force something that's of value to you on someone who doesn't value it the same way. Use protocols. And so we've stumbled on a treasure. We've stumbled on, uh, we've encountered Jesus. I just declared to you a few minutes ago how much Jesus means to me. And his blood that he shed for me is precious to me. Because that tells me the price that God put on me. That tells me God's value on me. That the blood of his son, who was God become human, was spilled. That's precious. So I'm not just going to throw that around. My prayer language that I pray in tongues, and I pray in tongues like Paul, more than ye all. Paul, Paul was Texan. That's how we know he's Texan. He said, I speak in tongues more than y'all, right? <laughs> but that's precious to me. So I don't just blab tongues in front of anybody. It's a precious, intimate prayer language. And so you, it's important to value and, 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 and take what's precious to you and, and, and treat it carefully. And, and, he, and he said that if, if, if someone else doesn't value it, you, you need to have the relational intuition to recognize they're not ready for this. They don't want this. And sometimes as Christians, how many know, sometimes we have to apologize. There's some of us that need to apologize because we haven't talked enough about what's most precious to us. But there are some of us that need to apologize because we didn't know when to shut up. Right? So both, both are needed. It's a dance. How many, know, how many found relationship isn't a science? It's, a, it's, a, it's an art. Right? It's good news, eh, Rob? It's an art. It's not a science. It's not a mechanical step one, step two, step three. If they don't do this, then do that. 
It, it's, it's an art. And it's learning to live with the Holy Spirit, our very relational God. And I remember when we were in India and uh, uh, we, we, we were having this, this meeting in a very radical Hindu area. And these, this group called the RSS, you ever heard of them? They're, they're this radical faction in India that's just dedicated to making all India Hindu. And they attacked our platform. They tore down the canopy. They, they went around our car and they were rocking the car and they were going to turn it over. There was this big mob. And the story gets better at the telling. But uh, anyway, these four big brown angels came out of nowhere, put a big ring around our car and escorted us out of the, out of the, uh, the area. I found out next, the next day, some of you have heard this story, that they were Muslims, these Muslim guys. And, uh, and we had a great time of tea with those Muslim uh, guys the next day. But I remember getting together with our Christian, Christian group that had been in, ministering there, and, and uh, they said, what should we do? And I said, I have a word from God. And they said, what is it? It's, I said, the word is, when they persecute you in one city, flee to another. <laughs> It's a good word, eh? So in other words, you, Jesus, Jesus was clear that in evangelism, you never force it. You never impose it. You go where it's welcome. You go where there's receptivity. It doesn't mean you reject people who, who, who reject the gospel, but sometimes it's just timing. And as, as Joanna said last Sunday, it's important that you leave a taste of Jesus, that, that after a conversation, they go, hmm, that was good. That was good, Right? We're, we're called to, to being people of good news. Now, there's a critical metaphor that Dawson uh, emphasized a few weeks ago when he taught. And it comes out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, where Paul uh, is talking about being an ambassador. This, this metaphor... Uh, can you just switch it to the next one, Susan, for me? I don't, for some reason, the remote's not responding to me. Is it stuck? There we go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Paul writes, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. The literal Greek rendering of that, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I've been told this, is therefore if anyone is in Christ, uh, period, new creation. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. Now, what's going on there? Let's, let's, let's read on. Verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, this is, why it's, this is what it's all about. This is why it's important for us to keep short accounts and relationships and, and to work hard on, on, on unity in the body and, 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 and uh, keeping things in the light, keeping short accounts, with, because this is what we are. How, how dumb is it if we believe we have the solution for the Israeli-Palestinian problem and the Ireland problem that looks like it's doing okay and, 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 and some of these trouble spots in the world? What, what kind of credibility do we have if we're fighting among ourselves? Right? And we're not working it through. I'm not saying we shouldn't have fights. Sometimes you do have fights. That's a family. But you don't just walk away. You don't just break off with each other. You work it out. You work it through. Right? And I think you guys are actually pretty good at that. I, I, this is not a church where people go, I don't like Brother Sandpaper, I'm out of here. I haven't seen that in this church. I don't see that. I, I, I think that's great. I think, yay you. Yay you. So, 
Reconciliation, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And, and this thought's coming to me as I'm preaching is that if God lives that way, if he doesn't count our sins against us, how should we be? That's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? All right. Next one. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Everybody say ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, uh, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now I want to work on this word ambassadors for a few minutes. An ambassador is a diplomat, and this is what we are. Dawson uh, emphasizes, I think, very effectively a few weeks ago. And I feel like the Lord just wants to re renew and remind us of this as we launch from this series, as we say, where do we go from here? A, a an ambassador is a diplomat who represents one country to another. For example, if, if you're an ambassador to another country, like the UK or wherever, uh, from Canada, you represent Canada to Britain. And... As Christians, we are not only ambassadors to another country. See, we're an ambassador for the kingdom of God to this earth. That's what we are. We're an ambassador of the kingdom of God to this planet. But we're not only ambassadors uh, of another country. You see, the kingdom that we are part of is, is a future in-breaking kingdom. There are two ages that are described in the Bible. The first is this age, characterized by the reign of evil. It's not good. The other age that the Bible describes is the coming age, just characterized by the reign of God. Very good. The good news is that coming age is invading this age. So I am an ambassador from the future. That's why I love Battlestar Galactica. And we all said, so say we all. Amen. All right. Moving right along. Sorry. So sorry. All right. So... So we are ambassadors, but isn't it true? We are from the future. Jesus came to this planet and said, I'm from the future. I'm from the coming age. Guess what? It's arrived. And our message is the kingdom of God has arrived. The future is here. Our message is there's an inbreaking future into the present. This, this present age is passing away. It's not that we're supposed to throw all our trash in the ditch and say, well, the Antichrist is coming anyway. We're from another planet. No, we are from an age that is invading this age, this earth. And we pray for that. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Man, I could get preaching here pretty soon, and i got to be done in a few minutes. So the message of the New Testament is that this age has invaded the presence, and we are ambassadors. And there's three characteristics of good ambassadors. Number one, they know the country they're from. They're knowledgeable about their home country. They understand hockey. Amen. They understand the meaning of the word a and sorry, right? <laughs> I can't believe Canadians. I, I, I mean, I was walking through a mall the other day, and, and one guy and I were in this sorry dance just around the, the you know, the sh I mean, so sorry, so sorry, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what's that, what that is. 
But you understand, you understand the country, the culture. Uh, you, you understand the politics. You understand you're representing the government, the leadership. You understand what Harper thinks and why he thinks. And, and you're kind of representing the, the current government in that way to the country. And in the same way as ambassadors, we, are, uh, we understand our, our kingdom, the, one, the kingdom we're part of. We read our Bibles. We know Christ. We know what he's like. We know what he's passionate about. We know what his will is, what he wants. And we're ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. It's interesting that one of the tools, one of the weapons in the armor of God that Paul describes is the shoes. Do you remember what the shoes were? The readiness of the good news of peace. There's, there, there's something about being ready, as Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15. Be always ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. So when all this propaganda comes across the continent about the Da Vinci Code and about the Gnostic Gospels and how it discredits the Gospel, you train yourself, you prepare, you equip yourself, you read up on it and you find out those Gnostic Gospels are nowhere near as credible as the Gospels that you read. That the Gospels that you read were written in the first century in the same generation as all the people that saw the events who could have easily said, that's a bunch of crap, and they didn't. Whereas the Gnostic Gospels were generations later where people had that liberty to say, well, maybe this happened and that happened. You have some credibility. You can, you can talk about your faith with some, with some preparation. You're, you're equipped and there's converse, and, and I've put in your bulletin some conversation starters that, that, you're, that you're equipped with because you're watching. You know, I was watching Hockey Night in Canada, surprisingly enough, uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I was watching last night too. Sorry, Gordy. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're going to have to have some ministry after the service today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was watching, and David Booth comes on. And this is in the after hours. Anybody ever watch that? It's quite late. And anyway, uh, David Booth uh, comes on, and, and uh, they were asking him, well, how come he, he feels he's doing so much better with his life? Because he struggled with a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, injuries. And he says, well, things are just so much better since I made Christ the center of my life. It's just, it just seems like everything. And I'm listening to this, and the Hockey Night in Canada guys are interviewing. And he was just very humble, very matter-of-fact, just kind of mentioned it. And they're kind of going, oh, okay. You know, I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty fun to watch, you know. But, but you know, like you, you keep an eye out for things like that. And, and then you, 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 as you're with your friends, you, it's a conversational start. Did you hear David Booth the other day, you know? And, or, or, you know, did you know there was 12,000 young, Christian young people in Rogers Arena? It was organized by the owner of the Canucks a week ago for a worship celebration. The owner of the Canucks organized and gave, donated Rogers Arena so 12,000 kids in Vancouver could come together and worship God on a Friday. And in the middle of it, he went into the locker room, snuck Sadine's helmet, brought it out, and, and the pastor who's from Atlanta, who should be cheering for the Jets, by the way, uh, took Sadine's helmet, lifted it up in the middle of the, of the arena and prayed for his healing. And he said, I don't pray that because he's a good goal scorer, because he's a great assist, we pray because you love him, Lord. See, God, God's just, he's just sneaking in. Right on. 
Everywhere. So what you do is you look for you look for these conversation starters and you bring it up. And if the person goes, yeah, that was that was interesting. What was that all about? And then you can talk about it. But if they go, ah, that's a bunch, you know, you can tell pretty quickly whether people are 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 hungry and and open at that time. Or they might say, well, I can't believe in a God who allows suffering. Oh, really? So if there is no God, then why would suffering be a problem to you? Isn't it survival of the fittest? Natural selection? Because your objection against God is based on an intuition that there's something wrong with suffering in the world. If you reject God, there's no basis for saying suffering's wrong. There is a God. See, our message is there is a God who wants things to be better. Therefore, something's not right. And that's the story we're talking about. That's the story of Scripture, is that God hasn't given up on this crazy idea to make everything right. But he doesn't want to do it outside of you and me. He wants to engage us in that. So equip yourself. Be, work on this stuff. It, remember what I talked about practicing your scales. Remember I gave an example of accordion lessons. You know, two hours every, or at least an hour every day as a kid, I had to do these scales and all. You know, like I never actually used a scale in any musical piece in my whole life probably. But it developed skills for me to play in different keys. And as you work on your scales, as you develop yourself, and you read some great minds that understand some of these issues, the C.S. Lewis's of the world, some great contemporary examples, just as you, as you equip yourself, you're, you're getting ready to play the musical piece as your good news to your neighbors. Some people say, well, I, I, how can you say that your religion is right and everyone else's is wrong? And I think a loving, humble answer is you, you just say, I can't. I can't say that. All I can tell you is I've encountered Jesus and I'm captivated by him. I'm, I'm overwhelmed by him, by the person of Jesus. Now, the second thing an ambassador needs is wisdom. So they not only need knowledge of their own country, but they need knowledge of the country they're going to. They didn't need to know if something's bad manners. I was surprised, I was surprised how many things in Canada that I was used to saying when I moved to England, they were swear words. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or rude words. And there would be times I'd be preaching and I'd see all the Brits go, <laughs> you know, like that. So, I, in fact, one of the scariest experiences of my ministry was in 1987. I took this, this youth group on a tour through the UK. <laughs> I wish I'd have lived there for a year first. Because they put me on the platform, you know, and I'm preaching, you know, and... And I, I, sometimes the leaders would go, oh, my goodness, you know. So it's good to learn these things, right? It's good to learn what's mannerly, what's not mannerly, what's what the culture. And so it's loving for us to find out why the Hunger Games is, is having such a, an appeal to this generation. What, what is that? I listened to this preacher a while ago, and he got up and he said, he, 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 was, he, was, he, he kind of made me mad. I, I'll be generous, but... But he got up and he was talking about uh, why Twilight is so evil. And he was warning the parents. He says, you know, you know I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something about some guy sucking blood out of somebody's neck. And, and then, he, then he looks at the crowd. He's on, on video and he goes, and that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> and I'm going, I'm going, yes, and? <laughs> so the... The, the point is, I, you know, I wanted to go, dude, can I say that word? Dude, 
Why are millions watching Twilight then? There's got to be more to it than that. Right? Veronica likes it. Right? So have a little insight. Think about it. What is it? What is the appeal? And I think it's important. Like when, when I watch Battlestar Galactica and once in a while something else, um, <laughs> I ask myself, what is the worldview of this guy, of the, of the director, of, the, of whoever wrote this? What's their worldview? What, what's the message? What are they trying to say? So you're a critical thinker. You're not, not critical of it, but you're, you're thinking through. What, what is the human hunger and the, the longing that's behind this? And boy, there's been, there's been Battlestar Galactica -ish episodes, and there's other shows once in a while too, where, where, um, where, where you, just, you just feel like God spoke. God just spoke. You know, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's things you've got to spit out, but it's important to learn, and it's a loving thing to learn, how can we translate the gospel into images and words that our generation understands? And then the last thing an ambassador needs is character. Can you imagine an ambassador who goes to a foreign land, he or she is knowledgeable and wise. I remember Marcus, Marcus almost became an ambassador for Switzerland, and it was unbelievable the, the paces they put him through. I mean, you almost pretty, you pretty much have to be a PhD. I mean, it, it's just, the, 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 you know, he had to work on his French, and he was just you know, 24-7 trying to get ready for this. The standards are quite high. But imagine if you're an ambassador, you're knowledgeable, you're wise, and you have a good day, you meet the press in this country you're an ambassador to, you're interacting with the political leaders, and in the evening you make a speech. So you've had a good day in the knowledge and, and maybe even the wisdom department in that regard, but then you go out and get drunk. You and in the bar you become abusive to your patrons, uh, to the patrons, you get, get arrested for drunk driving on the way home. I mean, no, it's not a good representation for your country. That's, by the way, Christians do, the equivalent of that is, is, has produced the phrase, you know, the bumper sticker, Jesus, please save me from your followers, right? That's where that comes from. It's where the knowledge and the wisdom isn't, la isn't matched with character. All right, so... Uh, Knowledge, wisdom, character. So to wrap it up, wrap the series up, how do we pray about evangelism? There's uh, a scripture that I think is very apropos for where we are as a church, as the church in, city, in the city. And it's from Matthew, where it says that Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. By the word, way the word compassion is, is that you see people suffering and you suffer with them. You, you feel their pain. You're not just ob oblivious to it or, or, or insensitive to it. And so he, he's, he's, it, the literal Greek is, it, it, it sounds like guts. Your guts are torn. It, like Jesus' guts were wrenched as he looked on the multitudes. And uh, it says he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a, pe a shepherd. They... They were a generation that didn't know up from down, right from wrong. They had no ordering principle in their lives. They had no explanation as to why the world was the way it was. Did you know that the world's a mess? You look at the labor strife that's going on in our country, economic problems. You look at the political problems, the terrorism, the, the violence. Our world's a mess. Sexually, we're a mess. The deviancy, the abuse, the misogyny in, in our 
respected institutions. You'd think we could get it better by now. And there are a lot of people out there going, what's wrong with us? And Jesus saw that. He saw that lostness like sheep without a shepherd. In verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. But you know, we often as evangelicals, when we pray for evangelism, we pray against this passage. We, we, we pray totally the opposite of this. How do we pray? Oh, God, send in the harvest. Send in the harvest, Lord. Give us a harvest. Send us a revival. And we're asking God to do what he asked us to do. And Bruxy Cavey, he said, he said, God looks down and, he, and, and we pray that prayer. He goes, nice try. That's your job. The harvest is white. The harvest is plenteous. You're to go out and get it. Don't ask me to do what you're supposed to do. What are we supposed to ask him to do? Lord, would you send forth workers? And the tricky thing about that passage of Scripture is that uh, about a, a verse or two later, it says Jesus said, Peter, John, these guys that he said pray, he said, Peter, John, hey guys, come here. I got a job for you. It says he gave them authority and he sent them out to, tell, to preach the good news and to heal the sick. So the prayer that we pray is, Lord, Vancouver is right. I mean, I don't know how many of you have been reading those blogs that I've been doing on Cascadia, but I've been doing it on the, the book that Douglas Todd wrote. I'll tell you what, you can't read that book without just being overwhelmed with the readiness of our city. We're probably more ready than any city in North America for the good news. There's a hunger. There's a spiritual hunger. This is a city where there's more... Un, 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 um, uh, uh, unreligious in terms of people not being involved in the institutional church, but yet more people talk about a spiritual experience. They've encountered God or they, they, they believe in, in, in something than any city in North America. So they don't have all this religious baggage that often you have to get through, you know, in the, in the church world. But there's this hunger and this quest spiritually. So, so Jesus' words are, don't say there's four months till harvest. And so God wants to challenge our hearts today to have the boldness and the grace to tell people about him. Your neighbors, your, work, your workmates, those fellow parents at the schools on the playground, they're hungry. Hungry. People want values education for their kids and they don't know where they're going to get it from. Right? People are hungry for that. So may we, as I come to the conclusion of this series, and I transition to our congregational meeting. May we be the answer to our own prayers. May God fill us with so much love that fear is not an issue. May he deal with our laziness. Deal with our lack of alertness. That we're so self-preoccupied that we don't see the opportunities all around us. I... I there, do you ever go through a week and you, 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 you kind of recollect conversations that you had? It might have been with a cashier or with your neighbor. And you, all of a sudden, you, this happens to me. Or I go, oh, my goodness. There was, a, there was a, a door there. I could have driven a Mack truck through. And I'm just sitting there going, well, I got to watch Battlestar Galactica. 
just an illustra- by illustration. It's time to wake up and smell the commercial drive coffee. Huh? I know. I, I need a life, don't I, Ross? Yeah, oh, thanks, Gordy. <laughs> I got your message the other day. Thank you. Everybody has a ministry. All right. So here's your assignment. Are you ready for it? Here's your mission. Should you accept it? This will dis- I will self-destruct in two minutes. <laughs> Here it is. Look for opportunities this week to try a conversational starter. If the door opens, keep going. If it closes, stop. Sometimes you might have to apologize. Say, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to presume on you. I mean, that's fine. We're your Canadian. You can apologize. <laughs> All right. So, Lord, uh, why, don't we, why don't we stand for this if you can? Just stand. And... Lord, would you help us to, as a church, uh, obey this word, obey this message? 